Bonjour, 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 and bienvenue, and welcome to the Café Lucifer. I'm Pam, and that is... Hi, I'm Leslie. Leslie, and welcome to Chapter 3 of The Man in the Black Suit. We're so happy to have you with us this afternoon, and we enjoy a glass of wine on the avenue. Uh, oh, yes, on Rue de Soufflat, and... <laughs> the corner of Rue de Soufflat and Rue Saint-Jacques, across from Acacia's apartment, which is always a fun place to be. She's got a tiny apartment, from what I understand. Anywho, <laughs> uh, we've, we, where I think everybody's suffering from uh, the uh, time change. I know I am. Oh. I think everybody uh, who's in this uh, time change continuum is being affected Ugh. seems like everybody's a little bit off and i actually read that it takes about a week for you to adjust to the change yeah i've heard that too i have i hear you're supposed too. to avoid caffeine and avoid staying up late um and so i failed miserably on both counts <laughs> <laughs> you and me both could... <laughs> to be very honest you and me both i uh the Tricking my granddaughter out was crazy, and uh, taking her home on Sunday with the traffic was just unbelievable. A ride that should take about five hours took over, over eight. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. And then today I was running around with my neighbor, Phil, and of course that doesn't help because I'm looking at it. It's like 3.30, I gotta get home. Anyhow. So, again, welcome. Hi, Joni. Hi, Terrier. We so good are, to see everybody. We have a couple of announcements. Uh, Gabriel's in, uh, series podcast, Gabriel's Inferno podcast, is on at 5 p.m. on Sundays, and I believe this week they are going to be going over Chapter 3. They had their big anniversary party last Sunday, and it is available on iTunes if you want to listen to it. I listened to it on my long car ride, and it, I had a lot of laughs. It was good. Um, Noite in Florencia, they are uh, looking for the um, Portuguese version of uh, not just the man in the black suit, but they're also looking for uh, the raven and, or the shadow and the Roman. Uh, Trilogia de Gabriel is uh, on at 3 o'clock on Saturdays on Mexico time. I think that's 4 o'clock our time. And they are working on El Extasias to Gabrielle, which is, I believe, the second book of the Gabriel series. And I'm looking at my books and I can't see the name, so uh, I'm stuck. <laughs> Anyhow. I believe you're right. Redemption. Gabrielle's Redemption, I think it is. Um, that, that would be the third, then. Oh, then Rapture. Mm-hmm. Rapture. You know, Rapture, Redemption, it just, they, just our words, they get together. <laughs> <laughs> And also, uh, SR is is writing a fourth book to the Gabriel series, and we want to wish him well. He uh, he's been down for the count, I think, since Friday, and I'm just hoping he's uh he's recuperating and taking care of himself, even though he has been online a little bit today. Um, but just take it easy, take it slow, don't rush back. 
just get yes, well. Yes, we need you to get well so you can continue writing. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> and he's all, there's also good news coming, so hopefully that'll be very soon. Um, I know that the Gabriel series, uh, the first book of the Gabriel series, Gabriel's Inferno, the anniversary for that release is April 7th. So who knows? We may get news for that then or it could come a little later. Uh, I my, can't my, believe it's almost here. I know. I think my gut feeling is that it's going to be on April seventh, the announcement. But that's just my gut. I don't know. Fingers crossed. Yep. So, our dear Betty has has come up with a couple of really good questions, and uh, I, the, you know, the last week she had one, and she had another one for us this week, and she was asking who the first person Acacia had an issue with at the hotel because her uh mr roy Ra uh was was you know dressing her down with with peter breckman and and not you know saying you know telling who he was or anything like that and uh sr's reply and this is a quote that is a very good question with <laughs> with a winky emoji <laughs> that's right Enigmatic as ever, SR. That's we true. Love it. That's true. <laughs> Always love the winky smile. So that, yes. that brings us up to chapter three. Which So exciting. So exciting. Hard to believe we're here. I know, I know. And uh, the first question the first line on the book, it's it says Modiste would not accept the returns of the custom-made lingerie. I had a feeling that would be the case. I mean, there's yeah. no surprise there, right? No, no, not really. <laughs> not really. So, he, uh, you know, there were a lot of stuff that had to get returned. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the Bosque was pale blue and satin, and the panties were in red and black. SR's got electric, ec eclectic taste. Hi, Noni. Hi, Karen. Hi, Chaos. Um, Yay. Uh, he's got eclectic taste and research for women's underwear. <laughs> yes, he does. So very nice. That's very nice, yes. So anyway, um, she had to return everything, including an enviable pair of diamond earrings from Cartier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love Cartier. I was wondering what they would look like. I'm thinking they're probably studs. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. Or I'm, maybe I'm like on... drop, you know, like a drop yeah. earring with a single carrot on each ear. Maybe, but I, I have a feeling they're studs. And are they a single carrot for each ear? Or are they more? I don't know. Yeah. Peter, uh, Pierre Breckman doesn't seem like a slouch, you know? Uh, you know, it's possible. Now, Kay, KS is saying she doesn't have sound. Does anybody else? Mm. I just want to make sure. Um, okay. KK must hear us because she replied um, she thinks it's studs. Okay. And does any, can everybody else hear us? I just want to make sure. Hi, Noni. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think I, I really do think it was studs. Okay, good. So, it must be. KS. So anyway, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out what it could be. Uh, she might maybe she's buffering. You might have to re 
uh, reload. Hit the buffer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we got Chon90. Hello there. How are you? Welcome. Um, so she's got the earrings gone and uh, back to Cartier. And, and uh, one of the things that I found in, found good was she's got great customer service. And I'm sure you would have to do that to, you know, when you're, when you're in the hotel concierge business. You've got to develop all these different little friendships. And, Absolutely. you know, so she made sure that she introduced herself to all the uh, shop managers and, you know, get those relationships going and, and cultivating them. And uh, so she says she ends her shift. She gets she gets ready to go to leave and she's got the leather jacket, the jeans and the motorcycle boots. <laughs> she's she's a, uh, a motorcycle chick. I love which, it. Yeah. <laughs> Yay, KS can hear us now. Hi, KS. Oh, good. Yes. Hi. She said it helps to turn the sound up. KS. Yeah, well, that, 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 that's true. <laughs> that's true. It does happen. That's right. I, I did remember to hit start today. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting better. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so, what did. Just, you know, what did you think? Do you think he was in love with Silky or did, do you think there was like conflict there or? You know, I, mean, I kind of feel like he was, he had feelings for her. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he, I don't know if he loved her, but he definitely had some type of feeling for her if he had such a reaction to her, um, essentially her betrayal. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Pam? I, you know, I, I think there, I, I don't think it was a major love relationship. I, I think she, it, there was, um, I almost feel like it's like a, it was a relationship of convenience. It's kind of, yeah. For the sex of it. Yeah. Even though it did, you know, maybe, I don't know. I think, uh, but I, I, you know, sometimes I, I, I know some women, but some, you do grow an attachment in that regard. But mm -hmm. men are a little bit different. Um, yeah, KK thinks that he had feelings. Mm -hmm. It's very and possible. She also, she also referenced when you had the, the good concierge skills, she had to have those types of relationships when she was a chef and household manager. Right. Um, and Nane found that the relationship was rather nondescriptive. Yeah, I think it, I think it was pretty it's much. It's a good way to describe it. You know, just but I, I just felt like he got slapped in the face with the pictures and then having to give this stuff to Acacia to return everything. Well, so. I mean, he he did go out of her way, his way to get things. That's why I feel like there was some some kind of feelings. You mm -hmm. know, you, mm -hmm. even if you're kind of going through perfunctory, oh, I'll get her this, 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 and this. I, I still feel like mm -hmm. he did go he did make the effort and get gifts for her um, and and underwear is a rather intimate gift if you think about it right you know. right um true so there was again a sense it may, of it may be it centered around the sex that could be that could be mm -hmm. i hope it was good for him <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us in to to well, being in Paris and, and being in summer in Paris and how warm it is and the sun is still shining and she's very excited. 
about getting on the back of that motorcycle and taking off and she went down the Avenue Georges Cinq and turned on the Champs-Élysées and moving in the opposite direction of the Arc de Triomphe, which is a scary thing to begin with. Oh, that's what everybody oh my says. God. That, part, that part of Paris is really dangerous to navigate. <laughs> yeah, well, Not for I, the faint of heart. Yeah, I, I, I was uh, talking with some people in a cafe one, one, uh, one day for, at lunch, and, and they were saying that they were part of a big tour group and, and they were saying that their tour guide had told them that Parisians need a uh, separate insurance policy just for the Arc de Triomphe aside from their normal insurance policies for cars. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Oh my I'm god. They come the in different directions. Um, <laughs> KK was saying that in terms of the Silke, Silke relationship, she thinks that Silke wanted more material things, but she was a material girl, mm-hmm. which is probably very true. Um, I, I totally agree with you, Karen. And Nane said she thinks Nicholas probably didn't think too much about how he felt, but when she humiliated him, he didn't like it, obviously. Agreed. 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 Nobody, nobody wants to be humiliated. That's no, the worst no. feeling in the world. Yeah, and it's, you know, just plain rude. Mm-hmm. So as you're going through, you know, we're back back on the book where she's having this beautiful uh, drive home from from work on the back of her bike, um, and they, she acknowledged she could have taken another route to avoid the chance, but she didn't because she loved that view and she mm-hmm. suffered through the traffic um, mm-hmm. because of it. But I love this section of the book, and I'll tell you why. Because I've never been to Paris, and I felt like I got a little mini tour um, Mm -hmm. going through the scenic route. You know, the Grand Palais, the Mm -hmm. Petit Palais, the Place de la Concorde, before heading south toward the Seine. And Mm -hmm. I just thought that was... Um, you know, it was. It, I felt like a little sightseer, and you know, yeah. the description about the Seine was beautiful. Um, talking about the banks and bridges, and the mm-hmm. boats carrying the tourists, and I actually that section reminded me of a short story uh, that I read um, called Paris for One. Are you familiar with that? Anybody out there familiar mm. with Paris for One? Um, no. Paris for One was written by the same author of the, is it Mojo, Mo, Moya, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm blanking out on the, the book. Jojo Moyes? Pers- yes, bef- okay. Jojo Moyes, Me Before You. Mm-hmm. Um, she did a collection of short stories. I highly recommend listening to Paris for One, but it reminded me of that um, kind of description and the, the riverboats on the Seine, mm-hmm. it really took me and transported me to that place, and it was really, really great. And, and you know, it it is a beautiful, beautiful ride. Um, I, and when I was there, I, you know, I, I one of the couple of days I took the big bus tour because it was just mm-hmm. easier to hop on and off at different sites that I wanted to go mm-hmm. to. And you know, you you do you ride along the Seine one side, and you do go through the uh the um the Champs Elysees and the and the Grand Palais and the and you see the Petit Palace and all that kind of stuff and the Place de la Concorde 
and it's it is a beautiful beautiful ride and, and the Champs-Élysées is, is, is kind of funny because there's there's a section of it when you're coming up towards the Arc de Triomphe um, where it's all, like all parkland almost and uh, they I get you know they have certain times of the maybe on the weekends they have little shops that might open up along there but it's still you know it's a nice place to walk it's tree-lined um, not a lot going on and then when you get up further toward the Arc de Triomphe that's when you start getting into all the shops mm-hmm. and and it's like Louis Vuitton is there Cartier is there uh, you know all the big names Mont Blanc pens have the big shop there um, and what really <laughs> cracked me up because um, I was walking along it and I uh, they this one little side street they had this red Maserati <laughs> oh my gosh you too can drive this for 90 euro for test drive <laughs> I was like you know should I should I or oh should my I gosh Pam I could see you in a Maserati jetting around Paris, if but... it had been a convertible I might have done it but it wasn't <laughs> a convertible <laughs> gotta have the hair blowing in the wind you know <laughs> oh my gosh that's funny I can, yeah, I I can like... envision it now yeah, it's, you know, that that was, and they had another one, too. Um, might have mm-hmm. been a Ferrari, I'm not sure. It was a white car, I know, and the red one is right on the corner, and the white one was in front of it. But I was like, you know, I'm going to go drive around the Arc de Triomphe in a Maserati that's not mine and probably smash it all up. And then I'd be... <laughs> uh, <laughs> horrible it would be horrible that's the thing though i would i would be afraid <laughs> i would be afraid for that reason but karen's kk karen's laughing um and she agreed about the fact that it it really was great to be able to read about this it kind of transported you there mm-hmm. and i believe if i take her yeses to mean she also is familiar with paris for one that short story um and Nonne mentioned that the big bus tour is great so you know, um, in some areas, it's really good. Like Paris was really good. I liked. I did do it in London. Um, problem is, is that when you got you when you get down towards St. Paul's in London, and mm-hmm. down towards uh, where the theater district is and all, it, the traffic because it's you know it's, it's so busy with during mm-hmm. the week, it can it can hold you up. It can literally you can be stuck on one street for like two hours. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I believe but, it. Um, but it is great. I mean, I, I totally encourage taking them if you don't have a lot of time and you don't mm-hmm. want to have to mess around with the, with the subway systems or the metros. Uh, the, you know, the, the tube in, in London is great. It can take you anywhere. And I have, I had no problem with that. And they have the Oyster card, which is awesome because you just use that as you go. The metro in Paris, I had a lot of problems with, only because I would, I would buy a group of tickets because I knew I'd be using more than one a day, you know, going and coming to where my hotel was, and I'd buy uh, three or four of them, and the first one would work and the others wouldn't. I don't know why that was, but, but that was, uh, you know, my my experience with the metro. Um, Ubers, they have a lot of Ubers and stuff too, which are helpful. But I did, I, to be honest with you, I didn't do that one. So Noni also says probably too busy in London, but it is a great view, and that it is. I got a lot of nice shots from that. I have a nice, a, a couple of nice shots of the Seine from the big bus. Oh, I bet. I agree. Um, if you have limited time in a city, 
-hmm. Doing the tour, sometimes I know it can be a little bit cheesy, uh, depending on which tour you choose, but it often provides the best bang for the buck. And especially if you're on a short time, you do get to at least glimpse and have mm -hmm. some background, especially if it's a narrated tour that can give you some insight as to what you're looking at. Right. Um, as Pam knows, and some of you out there know, I'm trying to see all 50 states before I turn 50. And some of the best experiences I've had um, have been doing these kind of tours, either mm -hmm. through a tour bus or a more private tour. Um, but I can, I mean, Milwaukee was incredibly fun because we took a tour and got to see some of the cultural sites as well as the breweries and mm -hmm. even got mm -hmm. to get our picture with the bronze fawns. So you could look that one up. <laughs> For those of you in, um, who remember, there's a, there was an American TV show called Happy Days. Happy Days. And there was a character called Arthur Fonzarelli and they actually have a statue <laughs> made of bronze <laughs> of, of Arthur Fonzarelli of the Fonz? on the banks of the Mississippi River. So. And if you really want to, there you can go to the Bureau of Vital Statistics and pick up my sister's birth certificate. She was born there <laughs> well, in Milwaukee. Well, Pam, so. you should have let me know. I would have done that. <laughs> but, but the tours really, I mean, honestly, yeah. were great. Um, yeah. I did one in Minneapolis. I did one in Portland, Oregon. Uh, Portland, Oregon. I haven't been there yet. Portland, Maine. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great way to learn about a place in a short amount of time. Yeah, yeah. And, so. and it does help, especially when you're not 100% sure where you're supposed to go. Like, exactly. if you, like, you know, when I go to the Eiffel Tower, you could take the trains and everything, but okay, let's, you know, just get on that and it drops you off right there. Tower yeah, of London was the same thing. another great tip to do if you first arrive into a town. Mm -hmm. If you can, I mean, and you can also find like a walking tour. You could, you mm -hmm. could take a look on, in any kind of guidebook or online and either a walking tour or one of these tour buses. Do that first and then you kind of get the lay of the land and mm -hmm. you see what you might want to go visit so uh, you know really and, then, and, and then your google maps on your smartphone help and other Absolutely. you know with the, you can download the apps for the tube in london and and also for the uh under for the metro in france you can do that too oh. so well anyway. i hope i hope to get there i really you do you will um as as Acacia was going home she also passed the pont des arts as well as the Louvre and the Pont Notre Dame mm -hmm. as she goes across the left bank. And then before she left the island, she took a detour alongside the Cathedral of Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that, you know, again, as we always mention, SR loves to highlight art and architecture mm -hmm. in his work. And he uh, I, I liked the tribute to this magnificent structure. He said the 13th century structure was smaller than one might expect, especially if one had seen it in films. But it was very impressive. It is impressive. Twin towers and intricately carved portals in the western facade. I just loved the way it was described. And, and, and what's then really? I, I, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, Pam, because you actually got to see it. Yeah, they, I, you know, and you know, the Pontneuf is right there, and you just walk off the Pontneuf, and it's it's got like this whole terraced area um a lot of tourists a lot of people just sitting enjoying the weather uh artists painting and then you can go in and tour uh notre dame and the first thing you see in between the tall pillars is one of the rose windows 
which mm. is absolutely gorgeous. And, you know, then you can go in and you can walk around. And, and one of the things that Acacia mentions in the story is that she, you know, she'd like to go to Mass at Notre Dame. And I actually, I'm actually somewhat agnostic, as or some people would say. Mm-hmm. And um, even I sat through the Mass at, at uh, Notre Dame. It was done in French, and I had this woman yelling because I was taking my phone and just sort of holding it up and taking pictures every <laughs> now and then during the mass so but it wasn't as bad as one guy in um, a pew a couple of pews away from me who had the big you know 35 millimeter SLR camera and he's trying to take pictures so yeah, yeah. so but yeah well I just saw that Lorraine joined us hi Lorraine hi Lorraine and we're, we're, we're in Notre Dame. We are in Notre Dame. beautiful cathedral. And uh, it's just, it, and it is smaller than you think. But, you know, if you've ever been into at St. Patrick's in New York or any of the big city cathedrals, it, it, I would say it's a little, about the same size, maybe a little bit bigger than those. But um, if they, you know, compared to what you see in the movies it is a lot smaller but it's they have so much stuff going on inside there's so many little chapels that go all around the main altar and uh they have a chapel to saint dennis who is the patron saint of paris mm. um you know and and the wind all the stained glass windows are absolutely beautiful all throughout it's you know the rose windows stand out obviously but the others mm-hmm. are just just so great so. It sounds so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so you know, she's as she's going through um, her her little ride there around Notre Dame. Uh, she comes up to the uh, uh, the road where she finds the historic house of Heloise and Abelard. Yes, yes. This is one of the questions I had for SR this week mm-hmm. that he was so kind enough to answer. Um. I had asked him why, well, I, I noted that the letters of Eloise and Abelard played a key role in the Gabriel series, and he also included them in uh, The Man in the Black Suit. Um, as Acacia rode by their house and contemplated their story, which Acacia disliked. And I asked Esther, why did he decide to include the reference, and what draws him to their story? Um, so he responded, oh, look, we have, hello, Maite. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Hola, como esta? Um, so we're talking about Eloise and Abelard. And SR said, if you look at a map of Paris, you'll see that the house of Eloise and Abelard is very near to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense for Acacia to travel by it. And he finds their story and correspondence fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. You know, and we were we were discussing a little bit when Leslie and I were talking about putting the show together last night. We were discussing a little bit about Heloise and Abelard and and you know the the house and and there's they even have a, um, a, a some statuary connected to them and. Uh, one thing um, I did find out when I was looking up at pictures for this, mm-hmm. it's right near P- uh, 
is it Pierre Lachaise, the cemetery? Yes. And yes. I saw a picture of, I, I saw that that whole cemetery was, they said it was near where their house was. Right. And I thought that was interesting. You know, and one of my goals when I was in Paris was to get there because Jim Morrison is buried there. And I'm, I'm I was just going to say you major wanted to see Jim Morrison, fan. right? Yeah. Yeah, I did. But Victor Hugo's buried there. There's a whole bunch of people that are buried there. That are, I think Oscar Wilde might even be buried there. I think you're right about that. And, but, um, you know, so I, but I, and I, I thought it was in a different section of town. I didn't think it was that close to Notre Dame where I would have gone to, gone to see it. My next trip, <clears throat> when I win the lottery. <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> I've, and, and apparently the tomb of Abelard and Eloise are buried at the Père Lachaise in Paris. So I don't know if, I don't know if they're actually, they're not in the exact, that particular cemetery, I don't think, but that's mm-hmm. where they had lived. And I was telling Pam that, and, and in full, full disclosure, I did not realize Eloise and Abelard were actually real people. <laughs> I always thought they were fictional, um, and it was a fictionalized story. And I did a little research and found out, no, in fact, they were um, this massive, one of history's most passionate love stories. Um, 12th century, um, the philosopher Abelard and his student uh, found each other. And it really was kind of the hot story of the day. He was well known for his theology and his instruction, um, and he was attracted to her. They ended up becoming involved. Uh, she became pregnant. They had to have a secret wedding. Um, Abelard actually then was arranged to be attacked by Eloise's family. Um, so it's it's uh, it's really Google Google the actual story. It is stunning. But then they have these letters that come out of. Um, she ends up hiding in a convent after things go terribly wrong, and he ends up um, going to a, I believe a monastery, um, and then they continue to correspond for twenty years. So it's it's really striking. It's a, an incredible story. So I can understand how. And why SR has included it in the uh-huh. in the book? In that, yeah, in, in here and also in the Gabriel series, because we, mm-hmm. we, we were talking about that. And I, I you know, when Julia misrepresents the the letter that, uh, um, oh, what's his name, Gabriel left her in the book, and right. you know, and then because her interpretation is a little bit different, and then I think further on in in the series. I th- one of I think it was um, what's his name Dean Mar- Dean Harris had yes. a had a relationship with somebody that it was became like that I think with it I think with his wife at at some point so yeah so it's that's really inter you know really interesting that he brings all that up I think so and I mm-hmm. also think it's kind of an interesting parallel obviously and I'm not sure if this was intentional or not I didn't ask SR that but. You know, if Gabriel viewed himself a little bit as the Abelard character, um, because he was the older, wiser professor mm-hmm. um, with the young, bright um, student, student, you know, mm-hmm. 
So fascinating, fascinating. Yeah. I'm glad he. I'm glad he included it. And uh, like anything else, when you read SR, you always learn something. That's true. Um, always. <laughs> professor uh, Reynard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The Professor Fox. So. <laughs> Or the foxy professor, one of uh, however you want to allude to it, yes. <laughs> so as she, as they take off, she she circles around the the petty pond and she crosses back into the Latin Quarter, and uh, so it's neat when you when you go up, you make you make a right near near Notre Dame, and uh, that brings you uh, to uh, Rue de Saint Jacques, where you make a left. If you're coming from Notre Dame and you go up this hill, and that's Rue de Saint Jacques, and at the top of the hill is Rue de Soufflet, where her apartment is. And wow. you know, I, I said this last week, and I said this to SR too. I said if I had to walk that hill every day, I'd kill you. <laughs> of course, I'm not in the best shape, so you know, whatever. But well, all that's the one thing. I mean, if you do a lot of walking in a city, you don't need to join a gym. You uh, get your workout just walking true. around. That's very true. And but you know, like all the Sorbonne, there's a lot of Sorbonne buildings around, and there are a lot of little neat shops like bookstores. There was one bookstore I went in, and they had all the little Star Wars characters, and um, of course, little prince characters because that's you know. Uh, a huge story, French story, mm-hmm. and um, you know all, all that kind of stuff. Plus, this normal souvenir places where you get the T-shirts and the berets and the little Eiffel towers and whatever. But um, it, it's really a nice little area. And the street that um, Acacia lives on, it's these very old apartment buildings, and they have little storefronts and, and the cafe. When I when I say welcome to the cafe here, that it is literally across the street from her apartment. Oh, I would love that. I would love, love, love to live in her apartment, even if it's small, mm-hmm. just enough to hang my hat, have a little place to stay. I just think that sounds incredible. Oh, and to and be her... able to live in that city and mm-hmm. walk outside and go to the cafe and just watch and enjoy the neighborhood and the people mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, I'm and ready I, to go. <laughs> you know, there, the, there's a, um, I forget the name of the area. It's a big garden that's mm. at the end of her street. Um, and that's, I've lost, I know what it is, but it, I, it's skipping my head. Um, but the, her, SR says that Acacia lives in the corner apartment that, you know, the apartment is basically owned by a friend of hers' parents, and because of her friendship, they she gets a lower rent. Because I'll, I'll tell you what, if the rents in in Paris are outrageous, I'm sure. London well, the any, same any way. Any big city, right? Yeah, they're expensive, but yeah, Paris, it's fun- I would think, especially. Yeah, it's funny because my son was upstairs talking with somebody earlier, and I overheard the conversation, and a friend of his from high school, uh, that he's known since kindergarten. He, uh, she was renting an apartment in Lower Manhattan, and he said it was a little big. The apartment was a little bit bigger than a studio. It was a kitchen and living room in one room, and then the bedroom and a bathroom. And she was paying four thousand dollars a month for that apartment. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. And uh-huh. Karen said, "Yes, the neighborhood sounds lovely. 
Mm-hmm. And in terms of the expensive rent, she said, especially after Nicholas's mother redecorated the apartment. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But, you know, <laughs> oh, she has, the other thing that. is she has a corner apartment. So she would get to be mm-hmm. able to see into the Latin Quarter. She would pro- she would see the spires from uh, Notre Dame. And she might even see the uh, Eiffel Tower, when it, especially when it was oh, lit up gosh. at night. A little bit of it, you know. So, yes, yeah, so it's it's great location. And it's right at the Sorbonne, and the Sorbonne is like, the school is on one street, I think, is it, I forget the name of the street, but it, it doesn't look like, like I go by St. Joe's here, or Villanova University, mm-hmm. and you know, you've got these big sprawling campuses, and these are just buildings <laughs> with a French flag hanging out of it that says, Le Sorbonne, <laughs> nothing wow. more. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's really cool. So she's, and the other thing is because it's such an old building, she doesn't have an elevator. Killing me yes. more. <laughs> That's true. Well, I remember the apartment building I lived in when I was studying abroad in Athens had an elevator, but it didn't work. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. in my case, said the dreams at a university. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, when I was in high school, the French club took a six-week trip to uh, France, and oh, wow. they did two weeks at the Sorbonne. Yeah, and I kicked myself for being stupid, not join, you know, because it wasn't cool to join the French club or the Spanish club, because they went on these great trips <laughs> in junior <laughs> and senior year, and I'm like, oh, anyhow. I would love to go to Spain and France. And actually any Spanish-speaking country mm-hmm. so I could practice. Mm-hmm. That would be great. That would be good. So she's got this apartment, and she, she's climbing up the stairs, and she runs into her, her um, uh, neighbor, Kate, who's become a friend of hers. And Kate's an American, and uh, so she's speaking French to her. Uh, Kate also has a roommate. But Kate wants to know what, what's going on with her. She hasn't seen her for a while. And uh, Kate's also telling her that, you know, that graduate school was kicking her butt. Or as mm-hmm. Robertson Dean Prince says, when he reads this line, it cracks me up. Graduate school is kicking my ass. <laughs> yes, he was very emphatic. Very <laughs> emphatic. Yes. Yes, he was. She was. So, uh, one of their one of their mutual friends is having a party and wants to know if she'll go. And Acacia, Acacia says she's like that, but it, you know, she's been working like crazy, so she she'll do what she can. And she that she would try to make it uh, this time, and because this guy apparently gives some really really great parties, and he also works as a journalist for Le Monde, which is a big French newspaper. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, impressive, actually. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the New York Times. Yes. So then as she's, she goes past her, she's like, Kate yells at her to give Claude a hug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor Claude. Were you, thinking who's, were you thinking, who's Claude? Claude is her... Uh, no, yes and no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you. I, I, to be honest with you, I wasn't really paying attention to Claude. 
Don't ask. I've got it. I have enough problems with cats in my house after the triplets. I'm sure. Uh. Oh, I love Joni mentioned, uh, you know, when you were referencing um, the audio book, um, mm-hmm. she said, Joni said he, she loved how he does Kate. Yeah. I yeah. agree, Joni. He really does that American accent very well. <laughs> very well. Mm-hmm. Very enthusiastically. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. And it's all throughout the book. It's not just that one particular spot. Mm-hmm. No, he was he was very very good. Mm-hmm. So very expressive. So now she's getting ready. She goes into her flat. And mm-hmm. Karen, thank you. Sorry you have to go. Thank you for coming, stopping by, and we'll see you next time. Yes, yes. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm. Have a good rest of the week. So she enters the flat. Claude is there, meowing and rubbing up against her leg. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, hola, Fofo. Now, <laughs> I love the first time I ever heard Fofo was, I think, Andy from the Noites and Florencia podcast. Because mm-hmm. Fofo is her uh, word for yeah. William. Yes. As, <laughs> as she adores William. <laughs> the Fofo. The fofo, yes. <laughs> Everything is le, the fofo. So he, you know, so she's, uh, she opens up the door to him, and and he's snuggling up against her leg, and she, with her she's got um, her, you know, uh, her backpack, and in her backpack is a folder that has the profile of Monsieur Blackman. <laughs> so, um. She uh, is getting ready to go through that, and she has a modest dinner um, and uh, reading all about, seeing what she can find out. And then Marcel, he's tried to set up this meeting and failed, and she can't find anything in it about it. And Claude's sitting on her lap. And I love the name of the cat, Claude. I do, too. I absolutely do. And we had asked. SR, how he selected Claude as the name of Acacia's feline friend. <laughs> and he, I love this response. He named her cat Claude Monet after the painter. Mm-hmm. Which is great, right? Yeah, yeah. And it makes know, a lot of sense makes, because she's such a, a fan of, of art. Mm hmm. So she want, you know, she's going on about Monsieur Breckman and how, um, and reading all about what Marcel's telling him. And as as she's reading, I I got the feeling. This is just my impression. I got the feeling that she's thinking that maybe there's more than just concierge work going on with Marcel. Mm-hmm. And uh, she she also wondered if uh, Monsieur Breckman spent much time watching American police dramas because he seemed to be so inclined that way exactly exactly she 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 picked up that he was very very astute and very interested in in all aspects of security um which i think led her to think about the crime and Mm -hmm. he the fact that he was always researching everything Mm -hmm. um i think really made it um quite quite interesting yes and i'm seeing in the chat room 
Maite says uh, about wanting to go too. Yes, I, I'm happy to travel with the. I think we should all go together somewhere. Yeah, we have to have um, an SR convention someplace. I know we talk about that. We love SR. Mm -hmm. um, and KS was saying Robertson Dean um, that she loves him and how he reads. It's like a movie playing in my head. Mm -hmm. And Lorraine agreed that she has that impression too. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the other thing, Pierre Breckman seems to be an international man of mystery. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's from Morocco, or Monaco, which is great because I think so much happens from Monaco. It's such a, um, it's tax free and there's a lot of money and they have a lot of expatriates from different countries there because it is tax free. Yeah. And uh, a native Philadelphian was their princess, Grace That's Kelly. Right. Princess Grace. Princess Whom Grace. Whom my Grace uncle, Kelly. My, my uncle Jimmy dated when she was a teenager because he was a lifeguard on her beach in Ocean City, New Jersey. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah. And, she was uh, so elegant. Yeah, she was. It's funny because I was talking with my neighbor Phil up the street one day and he said that he was in he was in the south of France because he studied in Europe his studied art back in the 40s and 50s and he said he was coming out of a hotel and who walks out walks by him what was Grace Kelly and he said he is ne it, she was the most beautiful woman he had ever seen in his life her physical beauty um, mm -hmm. I, I've read that. I've read that she was extremely beautiful. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. so yeah. So <laughs> my take said, "Yeah, he's uh, the Breckman's the typical typical gigolo." Yeah, probably. But we also know that he's kind of a foodie. He likes, you know, he likes good food. And when asked SR about that, it was. Uh, he he was very particular, but he wasn't anything like, um, what's his name, um, Great oh, Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, he 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 wasn't as severe, I I guess, as 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 Gabriel is. And then uh, he also liked European football, and what football club, of course, would be Monaco's football club. So. Mm -hmm. He's a soccer fiend. Hi, Diana. Hi, Kaz. See you in the oh, chat room. Oh, we have rooms. more. Yes. yes. So then, so nice uh, but the, so then, she slides her hand under her sh under her shirt, and he finds um, she to find her necklace, which was That's a Hamsa. And, and we were talking about the Hamsa. Mm -hmm. And you know, when it, I, it's a, it's a, a symbol that I've always loved, and it, it looks like a hand with the pinky and the thumb, uh, put up, you know, curled up a little bit, and I've always thought it was quite beautiful. And I, in looking, researching it a little bit, um, it, it symbolizes. There's a lot of symbolism in a lot of the three major religions. Um, most of the time, I've seen it with. Uh, Judaism um, 
it also is in Islam and surprisingly enough it's also part of Hindu traditions mm. yeah which I was surprised at but it's I, it's always beautiful and I've always wanted one and I still don't have one although I do have my flirt to leave from Florence so which is fantastic yes I was actually commenting I, I shared the story with Pam when we were preparing for the podcast and about a year ago I was visiting Florida with friends and there was a an art um an art show in a little community named called Tarpon Springs on the Gulf Coast of Florida. And I was able to stop in there and I bought these really cool earrings that had Hamsa pendants that mm-hmm. were, were Hamsa with um, some multicolor beads and they were really cool. And I, I said I had tucked them away and I forgot about them. And as I was preparing for the, the podcast, last week I came across them and I was like I cannot believe I found my Hamsa earrings Mm. as we're talking about the man in the black suit meant to be meant to be Mm -hmm. so we but we also know about Pierre Breckman is that um, he's got a four and a half star rating at by the hotel uh, which she found surprising since usually royalty and uh, heads of state get a five and four stars were normally celebrities so it was, uh, he's got a, he was a highly valued guest. Yeah, um, but it doesn't really say why. No. He is very mysterious in that, in that respect. Yeah, like I said, the international man of mystery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't always drink beer with my ladies, but no. <laughs> <laughs> but he also enjoys uh, tennis, the French Open. And uh, Marcel, in, in the dossier that uh, Marcel had created for him, he also mentioned that he would get tickets for, you know, for the football games or for the French Open. Um, he's only stayed at the Hotel Vitoire with three females, including Silka, in the yes, past five who years. Were, did you note the all significantly younger than him? Of course, they have to uh. be. <laughs> <laughs> that goes back to Mate's uh, earlier comment about him being a gigolo. <laughs> mm. uh. That uh, international uh, playboy uh, oh, yes. persona. Oh, yes. <laughs> but it also means, you know, like three women in five years for a single guy. Mm-hmm. That's not That's terrible. True. That's not terrible. No. I no. don't think. Unless, um, unless you talk to my sister and you date somebody from the time you're 16 and then you marry them and then it's horrible. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but he was also very sensitive about the scar, which we kind of knew from the way he reacted to the way she spoke. But he didn't have any um, mentions of tantrums or outlandish behavior, which kind of throws off, um, you know, her idea of, you know, what ha- happened uh, with them in, at the hotel when he was at the concierge desk the day before. Um, mm-hmm. We know that uh, Silke was a Swiss model, of course. Yeah. And uh, the latest partner, and uh, that Marcel included her in his remarks on, on the reservation that they, that they had made. But she also knew not to go talk to anybody in housekeeping or or at the front desk because she, they, she didn't want to come off as a gossip like she was looking for gossip exactly and i I, trying to be discreet discreet and also fly under the radar so to speak Mm -hmm. um she also googled pierre breckman 
and uh, he did have a Google profile. <laughs> of course, which, he did. which you know, which cracks me up because I can remember in I think it's in the Gabriel series when Gabriel says, you know, don't listen to anything about Wikipedia. Yeah, and uh, also uh, I have I have friends who I laugh at because they're always saying, um, well, you know, it's on the internet, so it's got to be real. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. I think uh, I think we've all learned that lesson. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, Kay uh, said her daughter on her wedding cake had crystal fleur de lis. Yeah. And because her husband Honored. was born in northern Italy. I love that, and and, and I, I also love that my day uh, was when talking about the Playboy Gigolo um, suggested Richard Gere. So. <laughs> hey. He did. He I'll did play that. a good one. Was Amer He did play in a good American juggalo for a while there. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Very true. So then she started googling Silka, and Silka had lots and lots of stuff going on out there, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of the pictures with the American film star that she's been topless with, and she's oh. you know caressing his face. So that must have been a real slap in the face for Monsieur um, Breckman. Absolutely. I think writing, you know, I think the line, what a cool display, Acacia mm -hmm. whispered. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was, that was such an accurate description. Yes. I, I mean, it really, first of all, it, it captured her empathy or, mm -hmm. and kind of the realization that, oh, this may have been why he was so upset when she first saw him and mm -hmm. encountered him. Mm -hmm. Lorraine agreed that it was very, very cool. cool. Yeah, oh, and my heart hurt for him a little bit. A little bit. But he was also uh, a man who wouldn't want pity. Exactly. So, and she knew that yeah. enough. She could. Not, she already knew that about about him. Right. So then uh, she um, goes on, and she was talked. She took her looking at her uh, Le Clef d'Or uh, membership and uh, how she, seriously she took it because she was she was still curious about what was going on with Marcel. Right. And she says not all concierges are scrupulous. And she'd never caught Marcel committing any infraction but since it was her superior and it was discreet in the extreme. <laughs> um so as she's playing with her Hamsa pendant, she's uh, which she always kept for protection, and uh, she said there were there was a lot of antagonism in France towards religious symbols, so she hid it a lot. And uh, which I you know, not so much the religious symbols, which I can see in France because of some stories I've heard, but she also also had. Um, you know, in New York, uh, back in the late 70s and early 80s, whenever you took the subway, you always had to hide your necklaces because people would just come up and rip them off your neck. Yes. Cut them off. Whatever. Well, and I hear that still happens. I, I know people were warned about wearing really expensive jewelry when you're traveling mm -hmm. for that reason. Mm -hmm. And I can see that. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, what? Re remember several years ago, the, you know, Kim Kardashian. Yeah, in Paris, she was got robbed. Held up in Paris. Give me your ring. I mean, 
rings Nothing. and jewel, all her jewelry. She had like $10 yeah. million dollars worth of jewelry stolen. Yeah. And of course, when you flash it on uh, Instagram, right. that happens. You're, you're kind of a moving target. That's why yeah. you have to be very careful. <laughs> and then, uh, so yeah, so, you know, we, we saw that. But I know that there were a lot of, st- lot of a, a while ago, I think, in, in France, they outlawed the, the hajib. Yes. And that women weren't supposed to be wearing them, which I found very sad. I mean, you know. The, I think there's a couple European countries that are. Have done that. Have done that. I think I've read one or two others, and I can't remember which ones, but mm-hmm. that's, and, I think, very troubling. Yeah, and one of the things I said, uh, one day I was talking to Samia, and one of the things that I said was, because uh, they, they had somebody was forced to take off their hajib for a police photo or something like that and I said if they're going to do that then there are Hasidic and Orthodox women in New York that mm-hmm. because for religious reasons they will wear wigs or a shmanta which is a rag or, or a scarf around there so they don't show their hair mm-hmm. you know maybe they should do this to, to that to them too I mean you got to be got to do it you might as well be fair about it for everybody Anyway, but right. that's right. That's part Across of what goes board. on there. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so she's lying in bed with Claude, curled up, and I love the way cats curl up with you. They're so cute. Yeah, with, with little Claude Monet, her kitty cat. Yes, and mm-hmm. uh, she was gazing at a print of one of her favorite paintings, which was Monet's Twilight in Venice, and that hung over her bed. Uh, it, the original was actually in a, is in a museum at, uh, in, Tokyo, in Tokyo, the Bridgestone Museum of Art. And um, but she she had never seen it in person, but she had fallen in love with it. Now Monet was was found to be um, the father of uh, French Impressionism, and he you know he he studied under. Uh, <laughs> Boudin and Phil would be very happy that I said this because <laughs> I got the lecture yesterday actually. Um, the but impressionism he, lecture. I yes, love it. It, it was. Well, you know that he that he he studied. I mean, I, I, you go to a museum with him, and you don't just stand there and look at a painting. You sit, you analyze, you look at the different corners, the lights and shadows, and the brushwork. And he does teach it. He has taught me an awful lot about art, which I'm greatly appreciative but you know it's funny so he would be very happy that I mentioned Boudin who actually grew up on a coastline of France and I could go on but I won't (laughs) I still think that is so great that we have such a treasure trove of knowledge with the the fact that you know Phil um, because he does he does give you a lot of good insight into art he does. He actually does, and I'm I'm very blessed to have him as a neighbor, and uh, get to do these things with him. But so it, when she was when she focused on this painting, she could uh, she could forget everything around her and just disappear into it. And one of the things that's really neat about Monet and his paintings and the brushwork in the Twilight in Venice, if you look at the water, the brush strokes, the way he he puts the paint on the canvas it looks like the water's actually moving which is very cool there's there's a painting in a the Barnes Foundation Museum here in Philadelphia of it's called the um, 
the boat stu studio boat and the if the boat is moving a little bit in the water and you can see the ripples going down um hold on for one moment for me sure talks amongst yourselves i'm going to mute you a minute <laughs> Sorry, sorry about that. I just, my son was prancing around trying to find his wallet, as I do no too worries. sometimes. So I apologize. So yeah, so I mean, it you know the the paintings are this there's a studio boat painting that I, you can't I can't take a photograph of it, but I can see pic you can find pictures on the internet when you Google it. Um, you can see the the way the water moves behind the boat, so it's like the wake of the boat. It's moving incredible. Forward. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. But one of the things that he did when he was studying was that he, um, the reason why he, he, he did this with, with uh, um, French Impressionism is because it was expressing oneself through perceptions, nature expressing itself through perceptions. Mm. So, yeah. I love that. And I, I was so fortunate in DC there's a Barnes collection in Washington, D.C. It's not far from DuPont Circle. And it's just this beautiful brownstone building, mansion, that you get to walk into. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's all these great works. And a lot, there were several impressionists um, when I was there. And being able to see the brush strokes and see how the, the paint is maneuvered and manipulated. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really incredible. So if you have a chance to see art in person, um, it's, it's, it's a whole other level. Yeah. It's fantastic to see it online and to get to have that opportunity to see it on the computer or to see it on TV or in a book. That's one level of experience, but it's a very different experience when you it see it in person. in person. Yeah. So that's fantastic. So the, the painting... Um, of the Twilight in Venice features features the San Giorgio Maggiore, uh, an islander surrounded by water and sky, and the way he used the colors of the of the setting sun with the oranges and the pinks, and then it was like dark around the edges. Mm -hmm. um, she when she and when she focused real hard, um, if it, she could forget things, she could disappear into the painting. She could feel the sunlight on her skin, and she could smell the scent of the sea. Which I love that for me is just being able to smell the ocean is is a, yes. a, an incredible feeling. Um, and while she wasn't an idealist, uh, she felt that a lot of her ideals were killed in, when she was years ago in Amman. Um, but no and one knew about that. I thought that was that. interesting because that was kind of the first kind of hint of her deep past. Her background. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Hmm. Why was she in Amman? When was she in Amman? Did, was that before or after she was in Brazil? You know, mm -hmm. I, that's what I was wondering when yeah. I read that. Yeah. And uh, she, and it's also a part of her life she wanted to keep away from everybody and everything. Mm -hmm. And that's why she kind of hid in her uniform. And why she was serving transient clientele because she couldn't form any attachments to right. people. 
and uh, she apparently had a former boyfriend by the name of Luke and uh, who she didn't really like thinking about him because she could feel like she when she would think about him she'd feel him like lying next to her in bed and him like caressing her skin and mm-hmm. you know she hadn't had a lover since him but it, it was sort of depressing for her for what, yes, she, for and, what she was going through and Tez agreed with us and also welcome Judith thanks Hi, for Judith. joining um, we are happy to have you here uh, I know that it's been a little confusing this week because we had a time change in the in, in the, the US. US so uh, it's actually 608 New York time mm-hmm. in the afternoon. So welcome everybody. Yes, it'll all catch up to us sooner or later. <laughs> yes, yes, but I, I didn't want for those of our friends who joined us uh, recently. I, I wanted to let them know we're we're still in chapter three, just mm-hmm. talking about the beautiful Monet painting uh, mm-hmm. called Twilight Venice, and we're talking about Acacia's. Um, kind of mentioning and thinking about her past um, in Amman and how she's really tried to keep out of a high-profile existence, mm-hmm. never letting anyone be too close, even her former boyfriend, right. Luke. Right. And, uh, you know, she she tried to deny a lot of her past, but, but she was also lonely, and she tried to mm-hmm. deny that as well. But she would never really admit to it, and she longed for honesty and intimacy, and uh, which I think and I think many people can Don't relate we all? to. We do. <laughs> I mean, I think we can all relate to that. Mm-hmm. And Part of I, the human condition. It is, and and if you have it and you've lost it for whatever reason, wanting to get it back is is hard. It's hard mm-hmm. to deal with sometimes. So as she moves around, Claude meows at being annoyed, and I can relate to that with two cats and a dog in my bed half the night. Um, so I can, I can understand that. And uh, she was also saying that her position at the hotel paid her well. She relieved thousands of euros in gratuities on top of her salary, which helped support her mother and Recife. Um, and she was also slowly building her savings, which was good for her. I wish somebody mm-hmm. 24 had taught me how to build my savings. Um, <laughs> but I had a good time never spending it. Never too late, Pam. No, nope, and, and I had a great time spending it, so there. <laughs> um, and she also looked at her journal, and she she kind of imagined, she says that every well-trained concierge keeps one of these journals about hotel guests, and uh, she carried hers all the time, and it contained her contacts and comments and that were you know confidential yes. to the client that couldn't really be put into like a, a, a mainstream hotel concierge right. desk file. The, the, the too hot to handle mm-hmm. the uh, inside scoop the yeah, like what kind of girls they like or if they're in Moscow mm-hmm. whether they do things and never mind the secret <laughs> black book yes right? yeah <laughs> so Monsieur uh had, she said that Monsieur Breckman had asked Marcel to set up a meeting, so he would have probably had the particulars of it, and he probably would have had the um, the book. 
and uh, perhaps the police had overlooked it after he'd been mugged out in the street. So one of the first things she's decided to do the next day is to look for the journal. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. That is the end of chapter three. So yeah, so she's uh, she's got a lot on her plate there, you know. Definitely, and I think you know it, it shows her curiosity and her her intelligence that she kind of mm-hmm. was thinking through, and really trying to figure out, you know, why what was going on that Marcel was helping this Monsieur Breckman with, mm-hmm. you know, this is unusual. This is not normal. And then Marcel was, was injured because of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I really think she's starting to think that there was something inappropriate or nefarious, um, illegal going on. Mm-hmm. So. And, yeah. And I'm sure she, she will, we will find out as we move further into the story. I mean, it's fun at the beginning of the book because you can make all kinds of assumptions of what's going on <laughs> and then have your assumptions overturned at the end. <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. You never know. So true. So true. So we have, um, as, as you know, we've, we've talked, we talked, I think, briefly about this in our first podcast. We were... Um, we're going to be doing a Friday night podcast once a month. Uh, just get an overview of um, what we've gone through. And so that people who are in different time zones who can't join us on a Wednesday at 5, they can join us um, on a Friday night at 9 p.m. New York time. Um, we're going to be doing the first one this week. Uh, it is for Acacia's birthday. Acacia's yes, birthday, happy birthday is. Happy yes. Acacia. Her birthday is March 17th, and I've heard through a little bird on the grapevine that uh, Nicholas is taking her to Giverny, which was Monet's home in France, and they are staying in this very nice little inn. It's right by a, a little brook that runs along, and the food is delicious, the wine is delicious, and it's very rural. It's, it's a very quaint spot. And there's also a group of cows that live on the other side of the brook. And I happened to see one of those cows on my last trip to this inn. And it had, it was very cute. It was a black cow with a great big white heart on its head, Mm. which was very neat, which was very neat. I love it. So we will be celebrating Acacia's birthday on Friday. Um, So I hope you'll all be able to join us. Um, It should be a lot of fun. And, uh, yes, I'm excited about it. It will be a fun party. It should be, yes. <laughs> and we will be back again next Wednesday uh, going into the uh, next chapter. Um, I think chapter uh, four and possibly five because I think chapter four is only like a page long. So, you know, the, we'll be doing that at that point. But we'll go over... Uh, what we've done in, in the last podcast we'll give a brief overview and on these Friday night podcasts so that people can, everybody can join in so I'm looking forward to that I am too, I yeah. am too it should be a lot of fun So, and in fact one of the things uh, we've been trying to do every week is have um, SR affirmations uh, which is uh, sharing what people are thankful for this week and if you want to add to the 
listing, um, feel free to use the hashtag SR Affirmations or Affirmations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to say my affirmation today um, is that I'm very thankful for Pam and for the ability to be joining um, her on this podcast. Oh, thank and we're you. very, very excited to be able to do the Friday monthly podcast for all of our friends around the world. And I, you know, I'm I'm thankful that we can do it. It's, um, you know, there it, it, there's so many lovely readers around the world who really get into SR's work, and it's it's time zones suck, <laughs> basically. I know, so and I know it's... we're not going to hit. We're not going to hit everybody. I I, I know there's going to mm-hmm. be some people who aren't going to be able to make it, but we're trying. We're trying we're... very hard. <laughs> and we, you know, we want to make sure that everybody that can be included will be included. So yes, and we're we're getting lots of nice comments on the chat room. Kaz says this is a great idea. Pam and Leslie, looking forward to it. Diana said, nice. Lorraine says she'll be there. Great, Lorraine. Be ready to party. Mm -hmm. Um, Joni said, so fun. And we've got some hearts from Maite. And um, the lovely, um, wonderful idea from Kez. Well, thank you all so much. So we will catch up with you again uh, Friday. And don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, T-M-I-T-B-S-F-P and or I'm, I'm Pam Langworthy on Twitter and Leslie, you're LOA717 mm-hmm. and uh, uh, KS says for Aussie readers, this podcast is on Thursday around 8am Eastern Time right, right Thank and you, I know, like, like Kaz is like on her way to work and, and stuff. So thank you, Kaz, for that. And uh, so that'll be good. It'll be a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to it. And so we hope we will see you Friday night. So I want everybody to have a good evening. Yes, everyone have a wonderful evening. Mm-hmm. And looking forward to a wonderful rest of the week for everybody. And uh, so for your listening pleasure, we have a uh, Emily Claire Barlow singing uh, Les Ouverts. It's French. No. Hi, <laughs> right, everybody. Have a good week. Jean.